we do the deal. It was a hard negotiation. It was all my profit from the year before, my 10,000 putting mats. Every dollar that I had earned that year before was going to be guaranteed to Dustin as a minimum, and I had to offer him an upside. Um, my partner and I talked about it a lot, and we just thought the power of celebrity um, is enough to to kind of offset those costs that we were going to bear, and, it, and we set it up that if we did really well, Dustin would do really well, and we would do really well. So um, we came to an agreement. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake of the Sun Show, a podcast that explores the importance of creating routine, rituals, and consistency in your day. Very, very stoked to have our guest on today. He is the creator, the founder of Perfect Practice Putting Mats, Orrin Cantor. Welcome to the show. What's up, brother? What's up, Matt? How's it going? I am. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. I mean, I, I've wanted to get you on the show for a while. Uh, you, you have literally created one of the most well-recognized products in the golf world and pretty much the fitness in the fitness world because there was such a buzz around this product and i remember just kind of being like man i I can't and like we've talked about this but like i've just been like man it's it's a mat it's really cool and it literally exploded and you came out with it and it's such a cool time which we'll dive into but thank you for coming on the show i'm really grateful to to have you here to kind of learn a little bit about that but how and why let's just dive right into it what was the idea why was it like you know what i'm gonna do a i'm gonna do a putting mat what's that all about yeah first i just want to say matt thank you for having me absolutely and uh perfect practice um was a long time coming uh, probably started when I first picked up the game of golf in in my room at home, trying to learn how to putt the ball. I'd say it, it was a cup from the kitchen, my putter and a ball on the carpet, and just putting down a line and trying to get that ball into the cup. Uh, taught me ideas, and then my mom bought me one of those little electric uh, ball returners that you hit into. Uh, I say a lot of people had one of those. Uh, that transitioned into some sort of putting carpet that I would putt on. Um, and, you know, I'd go around to friends and family and uh, different people that were in the golf world and, and would see that kind of device in their house. So that always stuck with me. Um, why perfect practice? Well, Matt, after I graduated college, uh, I had played high school golf went away to college at the University of Florida to spend four years having fun and avoiding the game of golf and the stresses that came with it besides a little fraternity golf. Um, I came back uh, to South Florida and started playing with my dad and striking the ball as good as I used to in high school. Uh, I would just get up to four footers and the thoughts in my head would be, what side of the putt uh, what side of the hole am I going to miss this on? And am I going to leave it short or hit it past the hole? <laughs> Never good thoughts oh, to get up to on a four-footer that you are just trying to tap in and uh, need a confident mindset in. So uh, I went back to a thought that I had in high school. I had these glasses you would put on, and these glasses would shine light through the side and would project down these train tracks on the ground. I would put these on on the practice screen to get up to about a four-footer and just try and keep my putter between those train tracks while not moving my head. 
Uh, the results I would have would be instant. That day I would always putt better than the, the other rounds when I didn't use that kind of device. Um, and that thought kind of stuck with me to when I graduated college uh, and got back into golf. So striking the ball really well, putting the ball horrendously, I would say I'm a scratch ball striker and a 10 <laughs> handicap putter closer to 15 or 20. And uh, I, I go home one day and I say, I miss five four-foot putts or shorter or longer today. I need to figure out how to do this. So I go on my go-to, Amazon.com. I search putting mat. I got to go back to the well. Give me something I can do at home. I sit in my office a lot during the day. What can I put on? I, the number one bestseller on Amazon, I think it was $90. Uh, Low quality, plastic, uh, single line. Uh, it had two holes, just like perfect practice, but the return was made of cheap China plastic. Uh, the box it came in, uh, the English didn't make sense on it. Um, it was what I would call a piece of crap. Mm. So I put it down. I start putting on it. So you got, but, but here's the thing: it's the number one bestseller. It's a piece of crap, but you bought it anyway. But I bought it because right. it was what was there to help me with my problem of being a bad putter. Right. And um, I start using it and say, "Wow, like me just striking putts at home is helping me when I go out to the golf course because this is a thing that I wasn't doing other than." You know, I go out to the course, I hit the range hard, I'm hitting my drivers and my irons. Maybe I go to the green and hit a couple putts, make one of them. Okay, I got this, Time you know, go, right. ready to go. Uh, but I never really focused on fundamentals of putting and why, you know, I wasn't hitting the back of the cup and why pros always miss on the pro side. They call it the pro side for a reason. Um, and a lot of it was uh, hitting a firm, confident stroke that I learned. Uh, pros get up there, they set their target, and they hit it. And they hit it every time. And they hit it down to millimeters. And um, I learned that over time. But uh, when I first bought that putting mat and put it down, I started using it, and my putting improved. Right. You know, little by little. Sure. And I go, you know... This is good, but I paid a what I thought was a lot of money in ninety dollars for what I thought was maybe a thirty dollar product, um, which feels like they squeeze like a whole lot of margin out of me. And um, I think I could do this and maybe add some improvements to it. So <clears throat> I definitely want to come back to that, but based on like a lot of people would order that and say, oh, this is the best thing. It's number one and, and would, would talk about, I'm sure I bought the number one bestseller and my putting's improving, but you have a different mindset. Like before we continue with the, the, how you kept going with that, why is it that like no one in, a lot of people aren't going to say, oh, the margin, this, like they're just going to be like, oh, dude, I have the best putting mat. So what, what is it that caused you to say, hey, cool product, piece of shit, I can do this better. Like, wh where did all of that come from for you? I would say it was probably so. After I graduated my uh, undergraduate in marketing at UF, I stayed on for an additional year and got a master's in entrepreneurship because I've always been an entrepreneur my whole life. 
I've always been interested in it. My dad started a business with my grandpa 40 years ago uh, in the wholesale grocery distribution world. Um, I had always wanted something of my own. I had started a eBay business when I was 13. Uh, my mom would joke that she couldn't leave things out in the house because I would go take them and sell them sell. online. That's incredible. I love that. Um, that transitioned into like a Jordan reselling business. I would go to the mall, Your wait sneaker. for yeah. exactly. I mean, uh, keep pause. All right, so yeah, your mom would be worried about you grabbing stuff. You're big into sneakers, reselling the sneakers, and and it, and it kept going. Yeah, I kept going and I kept trying. Um, I always wanted something that would get really big. Uh, and my mindset was if you throw enough at the wall, something's going to stick. Um, so I just, I always kept trying. Um, it was a mindset that I learned later was just kind of something I was born with. Uh, but it's an entrepreneur mindset that people like to follow is like fall down five times, get up six. Sure. Um, just just keep going and and really kind of ignore uh, voices because a lot of times people are scared of failure and in entrepreneurship failure is encouraged um, obviously uh, I, I had the ability to you know take some risks that not everyone had the ability to do um, but ultimately um, I kept trying so it went from sneakers to uh, I got to college and really wanted to figure it out. Uh, I tried a laundry delivery business that I was trying to call Pledges Laundry Service after <laughs> I had pledged my fraternity. And at the end of the day, the Greek philanthropic council at UF started coming after our fraternity for a alleged use of pledges to deliver laundry for a fee. So that didn't work out so great, but I kept trying. Um, I made and sold shirts uh, when I was in college freshman year that said Tebow for Heisman. Uh, no one really knew who he was, but I, you know, there was a big high school following behind him. So I would sell those and I got in a little trouble there. Um, but I just kept trying, you know, I sold a lot of shirts. And then uh, I realized in college, a lot of people were cutting their t shirts to make wide opening holes. Uh, and so I thought I could make a business out of it. So I actually did. It was called Rip Tees. Uh, and at the end of the day, Lululemon came and made the identical cut of shirt that we were selling. And uh, that was kind of the end of that business concept. So <laughs> get yeah, to college. At the entrepreneurship program, our culminating project, you have to do a business plan for a real business you want to start. And... Um, I come up with this concept called Sports Picker, which was basically like a March Madness style daily pick'em, where you could pick whatever sports you want and compete head to head against someone. Um, <clears throat> it was kind of ahead of its time in the world of FanDuel and uh, DraftKings, how they became popular on daily fantasy sports. Uh, the problem I ran into with mine was mine was team-based. You would just really pick who you thought would win each game. And we assigned a point value to the underdog and the favorite, and so it encouraged you to try and pick some underdog upsets. 
Um, very cool concept. Um, no way of generating revenue. Learned an important business uh, mm. concept that you need to make money. So that's what they say, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I looked at that as a partial failure and a learning um, learning curve that. Profit is a pretty important thing to go after. So you talk about margin, uh, leads us into that point in my life where get back from college, um, family business has access to products at very low pricing. So I go, I think there might be an opportunity for me to take some of those products that we sell to grocery stores and maybe put those on Amazon.com and see if there's some money to be made. It's, it was at a point when people were getting a little more comfortable buying things through the internet. And uh, I mean, food is probably the last thing people get comfortable with buying through the internet. Sure. Um, but I, I think people are there now. Um, at the time, it was a, a learning curve and, and there was a lot of money to be made. Uh, at the time, people only cared about Prime two-day. If you had a Prime check mark next to it, people didn't look at what the costs were initially. Just they just would go buy it. Mm. And so we would capitalize off that. We would put a uh, three-pack of peanut butter together and sell it for a real price. We're talking like $30 people would pay to get it to their house. In two days. In two days. Sure. And Amazon had a program where you would send it to their warehouses and they would guarantee it. And uh, we built that up to a nice business, and um, what we realized was small and lightweight items uh, and big dollar items made the most amount of money because Amazon had a fee structure that right. would kind of take away most of your profit. So they would take 15% off the top for the sale. They would take a dollar to pick it, a dollar to pack it, so $2, uh, plus a weight-based fulfillment fee. So, I mean... Unless you had an item that was $100, didn't weigh very much, sure, um, and didn't cost you very much, uh, Amazon would make most of the profit in the deal and you would walk away with very little. Um, what I realized is we had some access to some professional hair care, which was a different category that I wasn't familiar with. Um, and those are the high-end shampoos and conditioners that You'll see them on the shelves at grocery stores and CVS and those chains, but really they're meant to be sold at salons. Sure. Uh, we're talking $50 shampoos, $50 right. conditioners. High-end stuff. Hairsprays that cost you know obscene amounts of money. Um, sure. But with the right marketing, these brands can sell that and grow that big. So I transitioned from selling grocery items into professional hair care where I would put a, a shampoo together with a conditioner, and that would be a $100 item uh, that people would buy. Um, I grew this to a very large business, and then one day Amazon out of the blue said, you can't sell X brand anymore. I go, X brand? I'm selling $200,000 a month of X brand, and you're telling me I can't do this anymore because X brand is now going to control all the sales online? Um, and so Amazon said, yes, we're going to retail pricing and only the manufacturers can sell it or authorized by the manufacturers, resellers. Mm. So that kind of hurt the consumer because you used to be able to go buy your $100 shampoo for maybe $98, $97, save a little money. I was playing that game just trying to get all the sales. Sure. And then they took it away from me overnight. And then it went from brand X to brand Y the next week, and then brand Z the next week. And one by one, each brand started realizing they could do it and started doing it. So I saw writing on the wall, and that was about the time when I bought that crappy putting mat. What year was that? 2000, 
2017, 2018. Because, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I mean, I, I know pretty much most of the people in your family and I kind of understood through family members what you were doing. Like, again, you explaining it here is great to hear about it before you got to where you got to today. But like I had heard you had the, the reselling, the authorized retail, all that good stuff. And then bang, like it's cool. Obviously, it wasn't cool at the time, but to hear you say it and just be like, hey, the way I was doing things and the way I was operating and growing a really huge business based off what I had access to, all of a sudden overnight was gone and within a few months, every brand started doing it. So it's like, okay, cool, I buy this crappy putting mat and we come back full circle to a point where it's like 2017, 2018, right? So obviously we're doing this podcast, Appropro HQ, it's 2022. We just went through a crazy experience with the pandemic and all this crazy shit where people are home or whatever. And you buy this crappy putting mat, you're putting on it, you're seeing some... Um, I would say positivity in your putting game, right? From being out there and, and golfing with your dad and golfing with your friends. And what then? Yeah. Yeah. So at the time, I'm looking for opportunities. I went to a conference. It was an Amazon reseller conference. So there are other people playing the game I'm playing and starting to see that writing on the wall. And what are they doing that's successful? And each one that's really successful kept going up there and saying, you know, I started my own brand. I don't need to sell other branded product. I figured out how to take my own brand, put it on Amazon, and not have to pay a reseller price, but pay a manufacturer's price. Right. I'm the manufacturer. I'm the brand. I can create the brand from nothing. And I, if, as long as I had a trademark, I can get it into that brand registry program, which was the program that the pro hair care brands joined and started throwing me out of. Right. So you just so so it's again it's you said at the very beginning you fall down you get up and it's like a lot of people would be like oh fuck I'm done, you know, you know they they took away everything from me I go do something else. But like you continue to explore it and realize like okay, if they're going to do this, I can become the manufacturer. Yeah, you know like that was probably six months ahead of me even thinking about creating perfect practice. Right. So I go to that conference and I hear that and that sticks in my head. And uh, at the conference they say, start in a category you know, right? Uh, category I know, golf. I know golf really well. Well, actually my dad was a big golf TV junkie who would buy all the products sold on TV. There would always be like a momentous golf club, right. an yeah. orange whip, Fix a lag, drive. A yeah. lag <laughs> shaft. Uh, every one of those gimmick products was at my house at a time when you only would buy off TV infomercials. Right. Made for TV, right, right. Right, but he would pay stupid prices and you would see them online. Three easy prices of you know, $39.99. Like, Dad, you just spent 150 bucks on like, <laughs> Yeah. But, I love that. But it made me learn that golfers will buy whatever can improve their game. And really, price is not an issue in the golf world because it's the golfer out there has a higher net worth. It's just proven that golfers are a wealthier category of consumers. And especially men, men don't really spend a lot of money in very many categories. Uh, and golf is one that, <laughs> you know. It's a male-dominated shopping category. Um, 
with where people spend absurd amounts of money, and right. at, as long as you can put improvement behind what you charge, you know, there's really no ceiling on mm. on a, a price level. So that kind of could transition into at the time the family friend. Uh, through my brother-in-law, knows someone in China manufacturing, and I asked the question, do you know anyone that you think could help me out with this? I want to create this product, right? Two emails later, I'm connected to a China sourcing agent, um, and I send him the link to the Amazon one I buy. I go, I want to do this, but better. Here's what I want to do to improve it. And I literally last week pulled up the email and showed him it was a rough Photoshop. I, w- I did Photoshop in high school, so I could do some really rough drawings. And so I went and Googled some train tracks, and I printed them down the right side of the picture. And I put a, a line on the other side, and uh, I found on Amazon on the other ones that they were made with some nicer wood. So I said, I want to kind of put all these pieces together. I want some nicer wood. And I need a better material. The material putting on this is like putting on what I would consider a fairway. The ball bounces left and right. It's it's not like putting on a green. I go, we have to improve that quality of the mat, and then we can go from there. And ideally from there, I'd like to print on it these designs, taking from my glasses that I used in high school of train tracks, and just actually print them on the ground. I go, if I'm looking down at train tracks, I know if I pull my putter inside or outside. Uh, you can visually see it immediately and know that you're you're off. Um, so China sourcing agent sets out. Um, I pulled these emails up last week and, right. and was looking at them. And he's like, all right, I found two factories that make putting mats. Uh, the other one's a garment factory that happens to make putting mats for one company, and they're able to do it in this nylon that they make the other putting mats in, or they mentioned this crystal velvet. The crystal velvet has a unique ability to be printed on uh, any color. I go, okay, send me samples of both, and let's see how it goes. Samples arrive at my house in Delray. Put the nylon down. It's the same crappy one right, that right. I had from Amazon. So I put the crystal velvet one down. I remember it's a royal <laughs> royal blue color, yeah. and it's it's soft, it's plush. You know, I put a ball on it, and I putt. I'm like, oh my god, that that's like even better than putting at my golf course. That's a <laughs> that, that's a perfect yeah. end over end roll. I go. The problem is, I'm looking down at a piece of royal blue suede. Basically, right. it looks at. I go. Immediately back to my computer, I email China. I say, Crystal Velvet's amazing, but can I print on it? And he emails me back, goes, send me a Photoshop design of what you want printed on it, and we'll do it. <laughs> okay. So create. I go, send me the dimensions, tell me where the holes are, and uh, I get a template, start working on it. First design was not very far off from the design you see and you know use Today, that, right. that got really big I googled putting green grass <laughs> the image that's projected down on the grass is a picture of putting green grass it's not grass at all there's no actual pieces on the mat it is a nice smooth piece of felt I would call it almost like yeah. a pool table felt Yep. and uh, the ball rolls end over end perfectly um Another problem I realized when I got this first sample was 
if it was flat and you hit a putt, the ball just kept rolling. This thing rolls like faster than Augusta. Sure. Yeah. So I go, we really have to focus on this ramp to be the right height to hit a good putt and not have to hit it way too soft or way too hard. Right. Um, and so we, we kind of adjusted the height of the ramp a little bit. But he said, send me a Photoshop document. I, I created a, a very rough one. Prototype one came. I remember getting it and trying it out. And uh, I go, yeah, this thing's cool. I don't know if I have anything here, right? But I go, if I'm going to take this thing to market, even though I'm going to sell it on Amazon, I want to have a box for it. You know, I want it to feel like a real product for me. I mean, this is just this thing I created in my head on Photoshop. And sure. So I hired a designer I found online, and I said, just help me make a, mo- a box. And uh, it was very cartoonish, the box. We did one photo shoot of once we got our initial prototype. You were on the box first, right? I, I'm on the side of the box yeah. putting. It's, it's, <laughs> it's an it. ugly guy that no one wants to nah, look at putting. Um, but I realized, all right, I got to have a box with this because sure. that makes it from, you know, like a, a professional looking. China product to a, yeah. at least American nice, looks like something you would see in a store. I never had really visions that this was going to sure. retail stores. I had visions that this was a product that I could send to Amazon and make a nice amount of margin because I think it's cheap to make. Right. right? That's initially what my thought was. Did I have any idea that this was going to improve your putting the way it really has? No. No clue whatsoever. All I knew is that it helped my putting a little when I bought that mat, but the mat I was creating was going to be a better version of that. Sure. So maybe it could. Um, and then... Prototype after prototype, we made our adjustments and finally came to V1 that we launched with. And I had to buy 500 of them, uh, way more than I wanted to commit to, you know. But that I had to fill up a 20 foot container for it to be worth it, of course, to ship them over. Um, I was winding down my hair care business at the time, I still had a warehouse space to bring them into. So I brought in the 20 foot container. Uh, I had ordered it in October of 2017, and it hit port, and I got notice that it was getting delivered on December 26th, 2017, day after Christmas. Perfect, great chance to miss the holiday season. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Start January 1st with a whole lot of inventory. Uh, But the good thing was that the... Wait, that was the end of 2018, sorry. So it's the beginning of 2019 that we have the mats. Yeah. And we have all of 2019, 500 mats in stock. Um, I launched the Instagram page. I start Googling who the top money guys were on the PGA Tour from the year before. Who the biggest social media guys were on the PGA Tour, right? It kind of lined up with most of them. Of course, yeah. Uh, besides a couple kind of outliers. Um and I created a template DM that said, Dear X, uh, I'd love to send you a sample prototype of a product that I've created. I think would help improve the putting of everyone from an amateur to a top pro just like you. I'd love your feedback. Just send me an address and I'll put one in the mail. So send it out to the top 50 guys. I get one response. 
Smiley Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Of course I'll take free, you know, free product. Smiley Kaufman, 250,000 followers on Instagram. Had a career that, you know, uh, it gets ridiculed online a lot, but sure. also had played in the final group of the Masters, which not many of us can say we did. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a different level. Exactly. 100%. He was good friends with Jordan Spieth, with Justin Thomas, uh, went on their spring break trip with them. Um, so he, he said, yeah, here's my address in Alabama. I'd love to take one, right? Send, it, send him one of those first 500 that come in. Um, he puts it down, and I guess the next week it's, it had rained in, in Alabama. Right. And put it down with, like, the Cardi B song, Drip, Drip, Drip. And uh, put on this, like, rainy day practice thanks to perfect practice golf, right? Video of him draining three putts in a row. Great. Thanks, Miley. Really appreciate it, right? We repost it a, a million times. It goes on our story. It goes on our highlight. It goes on everything, you know? From there, we look in our DMs and Joaquin Neiman. Hey, saw Smiley using the putting mat. Would love to try it. Great. Of course, Joaquin Neiman was a 20-year-old at the time. Sure. Just came on tour uh, from Chile. Has two of his best friends end up living in Boca and go to Lynn. And uh, I connect with them and played golf with them locally. Was it which one was that? Uh, uh, Toto Ghana and the uh, and, um, uh, Charlie Bustos. Char- yeah, right. There's a nut. Yeah, okay. That's a different one. I was thinking of Richard Mansell as well, who played at Lynn with those guys. I yeah, remember that. so those guys like live with him in Jupiter, travel around. They're playing pro in Chile right now. Yeah, um, the Chilean guys are the best. So send it to him in Jupiter. He puts it up on his Instagram, like, go get yours, perfect practice, thank you, you know? Um, And it's kind of like a spiral effect. Uh, From there, you look in your Instagram DMs, and Mark Leishman says, Mm -hmm. hey, I'd love to try one, you know? So send it away to Virginia, to Mark's house. Um, And Mark sends me back a note that's just like, uh, mate, I just want to congratulate you on how good this putting mat really is. He wow. goes, not only will this help my putting, but it will help ingrain great putting habits for my two young boys. And at that point, I'm just like, oh my goodness, like this is not what I thought this was. So this is still 2009, uh, you said 2018, 2019 Early when we started. 2019, 2019, right? So the PGA wow. show starts January 20th. 26 maybe call it 2019 that first few weeks is when i started to get that push of uh pros and and other people dming us for products and um you know it was trickle by trickle joaquin neiman posted it and we sold 12 mats that was a home run for me 100 like um i had them listed at a hundred dollars per per unit because I look, the crappy one I bought was 90. Right. I thought mine was a little better. So 100%. call it 100 bucks. I don't think I can get any more from you. Right. right. So then uh, I Google, like, how do I get this thing out there? I, I can't afford a booth at the PGA show. I see that a guy locally, Golf Training Aids, is here, Dane Wyron, right? Down the street, Boynton Beach, actually. So I sent him an email. I'm like, hey, Dane, I have this product. Like, I'd love to set up a meeting with you and show it to you. You know, this is actually late. December when I have really my right. prototype with me. I Correct. don't even have the container yet. So I bring it into his office and I show it to him, put it down on the floor and roll it out. And he's like, oh, this thing's kind of nice. This is good. He goes, what are you going to charge for it? And I'm like, 
I have no idea, Jane. Uh, I go, what do you think I should charge for it? As I say that, a guy walks in off the street. Golf training is not a retail store, but a guy walks in and goes, hey, do you guys have this swing sleeve, right? Dane's like, yeah, I'll get it for you. Let me go back to the back. So I'm standing with him up front. He's like, what's this? I'm like, this is my product. He's like, you got a putter? I'm like, yeah, right here. Take it. Takes a putt on it. He's like, this thing's really nice. How much is it? I'm like, 100 bucks. He's like, I'll take it. So, so great. Dane comes back out from the back. I'm like, yeah, he just bought my putting mat for 100 bucks. Um, in front of him, I had proof of concept, A, and B, uh, a distributor. Dane goes, wow, like, that's pretty cool. Like, Can you leave one with me? And I'll talk to you know the owner of Golf Training Aids and see if, what we could do. So he goes back to the owner, and the owner goes, we want to feature you in our booth in January at the PGA show. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, What do I do? He's like, well, we take a 20 by 20 booth. We split it into quarters. You could, one quarter, you could roll your mat out and you can stand there and be there. And they're like, for that, we want five, yeah. we want $500. Sure. And I'm like, I, I can't pay you. But what if I gave you free mats? I yeah. got 500 of them coming in. Yeah. I, you know, can afford to toss. I've already paid for them. Sure, of So whatever you're willing to give me for them, they're of value. He said, great, we'll take 24 mats, call it whatever. Sure. Um, so deal was struck. We go to the PGA show. We put the putting mat out. Um, not very many people found us. You know, we're hidden inside his booth. He's yeah. in the corner. It's not a great booth. Uh, uh, Bobby Grace, who is a guy who makes putters, happened to be in, in the room and walk by and hits a putt on my mat. He goes, I make putters. I've never seen anything like this. Um, Okay, so Bobby Grace hits putt, never seen anything like it, and what does he say? He says he wants to order them for his studio where he makes custom putters. I go, yeah, that's cool. Like, I don't know much about you, uh, but like, awesome. Sold three mats. That's more than I've sold today, you know? Right. Um, so I send him three mats after the show, and he calls me up, and he's like, you know, I've been making putters like since McGregor, right? He, right. he was the guy that used to, there was Scotty Cameron, and there was Bobby Grace, right? <laughs> I didn't know this, but... Uh, he still makes putters in a, in a little private studio, but um, he's like, I've never seen a putting mat like this. And I tell every person I sell a putting mat, uh, I sell a putter to to buy your mat because this is a perfect way to practice. And so when I wow. heard that from him, it stuck with me that like I think I got something more here now. So I start pushing the Instagram, get some good feedback at that first PGA show, brought 500 units in. Uh, those first 500 sell out and call it three months on online. Great. great. We're pretty happy. You know, a lot of Instagram ads. We're testing things. We take the content from when the players post it, turn it into videos and turn it into ads and start posting it. Uh, create one of those like, word videos where you could see what's being said. Yeah. Like, perfect practice will improve your putting <laughs> in the next 90 days. Absolutely. You know? um, and it starts working. And at $100, it's working, and it's working well. And uh, my partner, who was my partner in the Amazon business, we just were golf friends and continued into perfect practice, said to me, I think we can charge more for this thing. And I'm like, really? I feel like 100 is a little high for it. And he's like, let's just go up to 130 and see what happens, right? Go up to 130, no pushback whatsoever. 
So he's like, let's keep testing it, you know? Let's see what we could do. I go, 150 is the highest I can go. I can't sell it for any more than that, right? And just like. Right. Just how you felt about it. How I felt. Sure. I go, I, but You're then a consumer, I, you get it. But I was also the guy who made it and right. didn't really understand how good it was to improve your game. And so I never looked at it the way like those things my dad would buy that are like shave strokes off your game because right. your tempo gets better. Um, that's worth a lot of money to sure. someone. I never looked at it that way. I looked at it like my costs were this much. I, I, I'm getting aggressive if I start going over and I kind of start to look stupid mm. and would allow room maybe for someone to come in and, and do the same go thing. You, you know? you. Um, I wanted to be the guy in this world. So uh, we just kept testing it and we got up to 169.99 and I just said, we got to stop here. This is, you know, like I can't charge 200 right. for this item. I just can't. So I like this price point and it was kind of a sweet spot. We tested it a lot with dropping it and increasing it and that was our nice price point for for sales that work for us. So 20, 2019 plays out really successfully. Um, container comes in, container sells out. Yep. You go from a 20-footer to a 40-footer to a 40-footer HQ, which ends up getting 1,600 mats in it in each container. Uh, the end of 2019, we had sold 10,000 putting mats, all direct-to-consumer basically through our website and uh, had grown more than ever I could have imagined it to be. We, you know, uh, crossed a million dollars in revenue. My mind was blown on a putting mat, right? Um, 2020, uh, January, PGA show. We had a great first year. Let's take our own booth, guys, this year. Let's go with what's working. Scantily clad women putting on our putting mat. In our booth at a PGA show dominated by men, encouraging men to come in and putt on our booth while also attracting all those influencers that we had developed initial relationships with over that first year of bursting onto the scene. I think at that PGA show, we had 7,000 followers on our Instagram. So it was growing, but it yeah. was still small. Um, and at that show, all those influencers posted. Everyone would come to our booth and post. Uh, if you go on our Instagram, you can look back and no, see. No, I remember. I remember following the whole thing. It was incredible. And uh, yeah, we took a couple girls that work for Platinum Tees in Las Vegas, uh, which is a bachelor party comes out to Las Vegas. They right. hire some caddies. These girls are actually know the game of golf and can speak the game of golf. So hired two girls to come out from Las Vegas. Uh, they know the game of golf. They actually have their own set of followers. Both of them had. 50,000 plus followers. Uh, they would post about it. I, I looked at it as kind of just trying to create as much traction as I could at the time. Um, we spent a lot of money on that booth. And my goal was to find a retailer that would put our product in stores. You know, 10,000 units is great. I had heard things that like a one PO from a major retailer could you know, double that, triple that, yeah. you know, you go from all direct to consumer to that's just a small portion of your business. So day one goes by, nobody. Day two goes by, like a lot of interest from local clubs, but I wasn't there to sell six mats to, right. you know, Boca Rio Golf Club. Um, day three comes, goes, end of the day, we start cleaning up the booth. Guy comes over to me, he goes, 
hey, um, I'm the buyer for Dick's Sporting Goods. I've been meaning to get by your booth all week, but it's been pretty crowded and I've had some other appointments. Uh, here's my card. Give me a call when you get back home. Great. That's why I went to the show. Sure. You know? Of course. Um, go back home. Email number one goes to the Dick's buyer. No answer. Eh, it's okay. He's probably a busy guy. He got a lot after the show. Right. I'll follow up next week. Email two. No answer. Email three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No answer. All right. Well, that's kind of a wall. We'll just kind of keep doing what we're doing. This is end of... Yeah, keep it moving. This is February 2020, right? We're doing pretty well. You know, the... The direct-to-consumer is doing great. Every day a new pro is texting us, uh, giving us an address that we're right. sending it to, and they're posting. Um, email number 10 gets sent back to me, and so I go to Google, and I just type the guy's name in. Oh, LinkedIn says he's no longer with Dix. He works for Barstool Sports. I go, oh, Barstool Sports. I have a relationship at Barstool Sports because I was in the process of trying to get the licensing deal with Barstool. I had been talking to them. And I reached out, and uh, my guy at Barstool says, yeah, he used to work at Dick's. Now he works for us. Uh, but he'll connect you to the guy at Dick's. So sure. email connects me to the buyer at Dick's. Buyer at Dick's says, yeah, we'll start with this on .com. We're excited. And if it's successful on .com, we'll move it in store. Right? Great. That was the test I ultimately wanted. Send them enough mats in late February, right? We call it 200 uh, to their e-commerce facility where they do all their shipping for .com. Um, at that time, COVID was on the radar. Uh, it was starting to happen in China. There was little talk, might be coming to the U.S., you know, it's starting to creep over here. Um, what might change if that happens? We might all have to go inside. Um, I had never connected the dots. All I knew was that I was selling out of every container that I was buying, and I kept buying more each time. So uh, we have 200 mats at Dick's. March 15th happens. Everyone goes into quarantine. Um, the year before, 2019, uh, we had a great Cyber Monday, Black Friday, you know, what we thought to help us get to that 10,000 mat unit uh, number. Um, but then March 15th happened, and we beat our best day from the year before on March 15th. And then on March 16th, we beat that day from the day before. And on March 17th, we had sold out of all the inventory we were sitting on and said, waiting list. We went to China and said, we need as many containers as we can get as fast as possible. And they go, yeah, we could produce them, but we're talking like 30 days to make them, 30 sure. days to float them. Months out. We're talking probably closer to 90 days. I go, okay, I'll put on the website. Available for pre-order. We'll ship. This is March. Shipping in June. Yeah. Right. But you're going to pay me all the money of in course. March. So March 17th, we sold out. March 18th, sold more units than the day before. Pre-orders. March Pre 19th, sold more, days than, sold more units than the day before. This happened for 15 consecutive days. This is when... You, me, everyone went into their house. Goes, oh my god, we're gonna need to need distract to ourselves yeah. while we sit at home all day every day. And the golfers go, we can't go to the golf course. We need something golf wise to do while stuck in wherever we're stuck. Yeah. So uh, I didn't, I didn't plan on this being a COVID item. I didn't plan on COVID happening. It just happened to be the right item at the right time. There, we scaled up. 
Dick sold out of those 200 mats they were sitting on in a day and came back to us and goes, we want to put you in stores. How quickly can you get us 6,000 units? And your mind just blows because you go, wow, like last year I sold 10,000 and they just gave me 6,000 just to stock the stores. You know, they are Dick's and Golf Galaxy, a golf-dedicated store, and they want to put these in. So I go, yeah, that's great. So I had this nice, we'll call it version 2.0 box where I took myself off of it. You know, because I didn't want to be in a retail store. Uh, it was just down to my feet from right. a, uh, yeah, a it's picture. Yeah, just like you standing yeah, over. zoomed-in right. version. Right. And uh, so we get that box out to retail stores first. And then in the middle of March, I get this email that gets forwarded to me. It's like, hey, Oren, uh, my name's David Winkle. I represent Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka. They're home just like you and me, bored, looking for things to do. Do you think you could send them and possibly me a putting mat? Of course, David, like Dustin Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> not a problem. Are you serious? Uh, it was the first time I left my house. I put like four masks on. I had a couple mats in my house. I sent them over to uh, DJ and Brooks Kepka. I uh, never heard back from Brooks. The next day, I go on Instagram, TikTok, and someone sends me Paulina Gretzky's TikTok and Instagram she posts. And it happened to be her putting on the putting mat, Dustin putting on the putting mat, Dustin and their kids putting on the putting mat. Wow, that's pretty cool, you know, like Dustin Johnson. <laughs> yeah, 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 not a problem. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> I always told my wife that besides Tiger Woods, DJ was my guy, you yeah, know, like he would think he would be the coolest guy to go play with and, and kind of have fun with. And uh, to get that email out of the blue, and then he posts it and David Winkle texts me the next day or sends me an email and says, we have to have a call. I go, great, David. Like, thanks for the post. We really appreciate it. Just like all the other pros that have posted, we got what we felt like we could get, you know? I don't think there's anything more. And he called me. He goes, Oren, I used your putting mat. I've been a golf guru my whole life. I've never seen an item like this that can improve your putting from home like this can. And he's like, Dustin, I've been trying to get him to buy into putting practice for a long time. And he, he, he's a long guy, you know? Yeah, of course. He's been number one in the world. It's hard to tell someone who's number one in the world, like, you need Do to work better on here. your putting. Yeah, of course. Um, so he said, I think we might be able to work out a deal where he represents your brand his name, image, likeness, where you could do a photo shoot and a video shoot with him. And we can at the same time possibly help his career by getting him to focus on something that he's never really focused on. So we do the deal. It was a hard negotiation. It was all my profit from the year before and my 10,000 putting mats. Every dollar that I had earned that year before was gonna be guaranteed to Dustin as a minimum. And I had to offer him an upside. Um, my partner and I talked about it a lot, and we just thought the power of celebrity um, is enough to to kind of offset those costs that we were going to bear. And it, and we set it up that if we did really well, Dustin would do really well, and we would do really well. So um, we came to an agreement, brought him out to Boca Rio. 
I had to get special approval to get the clubhouse open because there were no people allowed inside. I brought a whole photo video crew in there to, to film him. Um, we got our photos. I want to say that was April. And uh, by May, had our box design approved and designed and sent to China and changed from our my foot to Dustin Johnson putting on the box. My foot. <laughs> That's so good. And... Um, Dick Sporting Goods, when they saw the Dustin Johnson signing, said, we want to go really big for Father's Day, and we want to go big for holiday. And it was that exact scenario. I talked about why I wanted to go to the PGA show to get a retailer, because I heard that they could generate in one PO what you've worked you, you know, your, your whole, whole year, sure. your whole next year. And it's really one relationship and one guy's budget that he gets to spend. And if he chooses he likes your brand... He's going to go with you. Um, and Dix went with me. And at the same time, I buy all my stuff at the PGA Tour Superstore. Yeah. And I went into my local store and showed the guys my mat. and was like, what do I do? Like, how do I do? I want to be in your store, right. you know? And then one of the guys working there is like, I got a product. I can't even get it in here. And I'm like, well, that's not the mindset I'm going to go with. Right. <laughs> um, and so I... LinkedIn, work my way up to figure out who the top buyer is, figure out who the golf accessories buyer is, email him a bunch, just like uh, all the other ones, and get rejected, rejected, rejected. Dustin Johnson signs on. I get a cold email from him. Mm. So it start, things start happening, and they started happening really fast. Um, at that time, I hired a head of sales. I I didn't have the ability to be the guy who chased yeah, down each individual one. We had a great story to tell in that Dustin Johnson got behind the brand. We were only created, you know, two years ago. We've exploded. Everyone who uses it leaves us five-star reviews. They all are putting better. I mean, we're getting things where a guy's like, hey, use your mat for a week, won my club championship, can give you credit, drained all my putts from eight feet and in. Um, the, the confidence people were getting on the greens is – unlike any product anyone had bought. So um, I didn't feel bad charging the prices I charged because then I understood I was making people better Yeah, and they were improving. And it wasn't like I was taking money from them. Um, but we grew and grew and grew. And that year we went from 10,000 units in 2019 to 200,000 units in 2020. We sold and that momentum kind of just continued through 2021. Yeah. Uh, we were on pace to sell about another 200,000 mats. In, so you're looking at like half a million mats. We're talking about Easy. half a million mats um, that are now out there. Um, I hear stories everywhere I go. People talk about it. Um, John, John Daly has this hidden office. Well, he used to in John Gruden's Tampa Bay office. Sure. Uh, he went on a podcast and said that he has a little room where John Daly sleeps. It's got a bed, a fridge with beer in it, and a perfect right practice back. mat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh man. Like, I, obviously, I mean, we may have to do a second part to this because, like, I love, I love how you just kept going, right? And I think a lot of people, I mean, at most of the points you shared, would probably give up or resign from 
anything when it gets to be that challenge. But you grew to a half a million match, let's just say. Dustin Johnson, the world superstar, number one golfer in the world, joins up. I love that. From feet to Dustin Johnson. Um, I do want to – I think we are going to put out a second part to this because there's a lot more to this. But you said it earlier, perfect practice. Your coach said this, perfect practice makes perfect. For people that – and again, another thing you said was focus on something. I think you know, focus on a category you know. But what would you tell somebody – and we're going to end here because we're going to come back and do this because I think this is a great way to have two parts to this. What do you tell somebody that's like right there, that's got something, that's on the precipice, and is just kind of in that kind of like limbo? What do you tell that person? Yeah, I think that mindset that I had of just keep going, keep trying, don't really listen to, like you listen to your individual customers of your product. I think to listen to people who like to put people down for having ideas and wanting to be different and do something that's not the status quo um, gets looked down upon in society, which is a horrible thing that happens. Um, But I think an entrepreneurial mindset of failures encouraged, I don't look at anything as a failure. I looked at it as a learning experience. And I take everything I learned from the prior failures and apply it. And as long as you learn from your failures, then then those are good things. And I would encourage failure. Uh, yeah, failure hurts a lot inside. When I finally shut down my Amazon business, uh, I had a major loss that uh, I had to swallow and figure out a way to come back to reality and try again. Um, and I did that with perfect practice. Mm. And it, I mean, it was a really quick turnaround from a low to a high. But I think when I was at that lowest point, I never could have imagined that this perfect practice would turn into what it did with Dustin Johnson and then eventually getting sold. Um, and we're going to, and that's the one thing, because we are going to make this two parts. This will be my first two part, two part podcast, because I want to talk about. You got we we got the build up all the way to the point of doing half a million mats, and I want to come to that next part because it came quickly. We're going to leave everybody with that. So, Orin Cantor, Perfect Practice Golf. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to www.perfectpractice.golf. You can visit his Instagram at okantor or at Perfect Practice Golf on Instagram. Remember, Perfect Practice makes perfect and. Failure hurts. Keep going. Thank you for being on the show. And we will come back for another most triumphant part for part two of Perfect Practice. Thanks, Warren. Thanks, Matt. Stay tuned for part two coming up very soon. I hope you enjoyed what Warren had to say in building and coming up with everything. And we get to hear about how it all went down and how everything that he did prior to starting this company helped him get him where he is today. Have a most triumphant day.